you're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. Uh, Our topic today is lament, and this is something that could be really timely for what's going on in our culture and our society, but it's also something that uh, the church often has skipped over or not done very well. So for us, what we want to talk about is what is lament and how can we as Christians process through hard things using lament in our lives. Welcome in to Church Unplugged. All right, welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at CCC. I've got with me today the other members of our leadership team, Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, Zach Wyrock, and Stacey Donardo. Our topic today is, what is lament? So uh, I don't know about you, but uh, there's a lot of information in the Bible about lamenting and what to do when things are hard, but it's not something that we often talk about as Christians. It, it almost seems like we avoid talking about it and instead try to have a framework of life where everything's always Okay, but obviously, societally, we're walking through really difficult times now, so I think there's power in the discipline or even the uh, lament itself. So uh, we want to talk about what is lament and how can Christians practice lament in a helpful way for themselves. I think a good place to start is just that uh, the Bible gives permission to lament, to be sad, to you know, to mourn. I imagine at some point we're going to define lament, but I think even prior to that is saying that I think about the Psalms, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, over and over again, David is saying things, tough things, like saying things like, where are you, God? What are you doing? I thought I could trust you. Yeah, Um, my tears have uh, soaked my bed. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you, you know, you get all these glimpses in to, to the fact that God is saying, hey, it's okay that you feel this way. You have to give voice to them. And again, if we take the view that the scriptures are inspired by God, then part of that is God decided what's in the Bible and what's not in the Bible, and he decided to include a lot of material on grief and struggle and anxiety and depression and all the things that we would say are negative. And I think there is a strand of thought in the church, which is part of loving God and trusting him is you're always happy, you're always positive. Well, I think part of it too. I was just thinking that you know the Psalms, even the Psalms. Sometimes when I read the Psalms, I think of them as being like David's personal devotional life, yeah. and then he had a public life too. Because I, I think I was trying to think through even as you were uh, introducing this, uh, what has gone wrong with us as Christians? Part of it is that we want to put on a good face, but then I was thinking the Psalms weren't just devotionals; they were put to music and sung, yeah. like yeah. David's innermost. Thoughts and struggles. Yeah, they were born out of his personal right, experience, right. but they were written down for public consumption. Yeah. Well, and you see a pattern in the Psalms. I was reminded of this recently, where oftentimes in those Psalms where it's saying, God, where are you? Why right. have you forsaken me? But it moves from that place of like disorientation or that place of complete sadness and mourning and grief, and then comes out on the other side. Right in a place of praise or in a place of worship or in a place of trust. And so I think it, there's something to learn from that about by building in that pattern of taking your anguish and taking your lament to the Lord, you can come out on the other side. Yeah, I think part mind. of it, the secret is going to be not trying to move the process too fast yeah. and avoid the process and also not being stuck on either side. Like there's, you know, there's certain people that it's like Eeyore right. where every time you see them, they're down. Mm and stuff, and they never seem to work through. And then there are others that uh, tend to put on the, that pressure of being 
happy. And I'll talk to people like before a funeral, and sometimes there'll be a person just saying, I just want to be a good witness. Uh, and what they're trying to say is that I don't want to cry or show emotion so that my unbelieving or you know, my non-Christian family will see that I'm handling it differently. And that's, mm. I just go, yeah. oh, man, it breaks my heart because I don't think that's the way it's supposed to be. Or so, well, maybe they're even thinking, like, I don't want uh, my non-Christian friends or family to get the feeling that God failed me. Right. Yeah, Correct. but the result is a faith that's kind of inauthentic and not yeah. realistic. It's one that doesn't have a category for struggle. I think maybe that's a good segue into a definition of lament. You know, I heard a talk recently where I think, Joe, that that two ways of dealing with it and lament kind of splits the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have people on one side who say, I'm not allowed to be sad, and on the other side you have people going, no, I should only be sad. Lament is saying, hey, I'm sad, I'm struggling, and God is good, right? right? right. Both of these things are true. They're and, not incompatible. Yeah, right. I'm not jumping to God is good, therefore I'm not really struggling or sad, but I'm not also so sad and struggling that I've forgotten that God is good. And I think that's a good way of saying it, kind of holding those things in tension. God is good. I believe that. I can trust him. And yet also circumstances are difficult. You put those things together and what you get is lament. Yeah. And I think lament is something too that is uh, directed toward God, right? It's right. Uh, it's not something that is just a raw emotion and grief like you can feel at different times. It's a time when I would take my grief and my brokenness to God and say, listen, I still believe you are good, but this is how I feel. Not unlike a child coming to a parent and saying, I'm in in terrible pain, but I've come to you with my pain. Well, I think that's the point of the Psalter, right? Because when you have David saying, how long, O Lord? I mean, you know, buried in that question is, God, you don't seem to be present. You don't seem to be, I'm struggling. But even by saying, how long, O Lord, is the implication, surely you're going to come through, you you know? I think that even in the Psalms when David's struggling, it's a hopeful kind of struggle. Well, yeah, almost all of those Psalms end up having a verse that starts with the word but. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. you, O Lord, are faithful. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, the, the, the book of Lamentations was written by Jeremiah. It's right in the middle of the Bible. It was written as a total book of lament, right in the middle of that book mm-hmm. is the, are the verses, your mercies are new. Great is your faithfulness. Yep. Your mercies are new mm-hmm. every morning. Uh, that's the kind of that's the verse that we quote uh, it, uh, as a very positive thing, and it's it is buried right in the middle of Jeremiah, just crying out, and then he goes back to crying out even after he says, "Your mercies are new every morning." Well, and what what a tremendous and beautiful thing that we have a God that invites us to bring the very specific hardships of our life to Him in that kind of a raw way. like, right. And he cares. He's, you know, a, he wants us to and invites us to do that. Yeah, so. and he, you know, the, the uniqueness of the Christian belief is that he, God not only cares, but he also knows what it feels yeah. like mm-hmm. to grieve. Yep. So uh, when, you know, my child would come to me with a broken heart after uh, letting his team down with uh, the, the free throw or letting her team down by... Uh, at a certain time in a game, uh, that's something I could relate to. And my heart would go out to them in a different way than if they brought me something that I didn't experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I for th- us, Jesus has experienced. Yeah. yeah I think what you're, one of the things that I think you guys are hitting on that I think is so helpful is that the, maybe the Christian approach to, to suffering and to sadness and lament 
is to kind of sandwich the present. So in the present moment, I'm struggling. Then when I look backwards, I see that Christ has experienced this, right. that Christ identifies with it, right? And then when I look forwards, I see the promises of, of Jesus, that these are fleeting moments. I see the promises of eternity. And so I say, you know, I don't know how to make sense of the present moment. I only see and feel sadness. And and I'm honoring that present. I'm not pretending. I'm not hiding. I'm, but... But when I look backwards, I see a God who has been faithful. And when I look forwards, I see a God who will be faithful. So I'm not going to pretend this present moment isn't there, but I'm also not going to be defined by it, because on either side of me, behind me or before me, is the faithfulness of God. Right, and something that you always like like to say, Zach, is that God has already proven his love for us, right? That Jesus. So, you know, part of the thing in great lament uh, is a feeling sometimes that you are uh, not experiencing love uh, and the comfort of love, but to look back and see the cross and say, no, God has already shown himself that he loves me beyond comprehension. Therefore, I can feel sad, but all sad things are one day going to come untrue. That, yeah. that is a, and if I, can, if I can really believe that, then I grieve as those uh, who have hope, as someone who has hope and not as those who have no hope. Well, and I think you you can get there from a gospel perspective, even by shrinking it down to the weekend of Jesus's death and resurrection, because, you know, you have Jesus on Friday being yeah. crucified, and he's experiencing isolation and suffering and shame and all of that, um, and he dies. And on that Friday when he dies, it, it seems as though all there is is suffering right. in the world. But on Sunday, when he raises from the dead, his the hope he brings swallows up that suffering. And I think Jesus in that weekend shows us that Fridays are real. Like people yeah. do suffer, people do struggle, that people are isolated. He identifies and legitimizes all of those things, but he also tells us Sunday is coming. Right. So Jesus saves us from like it's always Sunday and we don't ever suffer, or it's always Friday and there's only suffering. And Jesus says, no, 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 you will suffer, but also there's always hope on the horizon. And I, I think in that way really equips us to face suffering. You know, one one thing I want to add to is I, I think maybe one of the reasons why churches struggle, the church universal struggles with lament, honestly, is because a lot of churches are led by guys like me. <laughs> you, you know, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I mean, no, it's good. No, be I mean, like that. in in yeah. a, in the American yeah. church, yep. you, you know, the kind of like task oriented, uh, you know, alpha men who tend to lead guys like me who are not, just to be honest, not really in tune with their emotions, not not really equipped even to navigate my the way I feel, let alone helping other people navigate. I think we do need to realize that this is a space where maybe we can just legitimize the gifts and makeups of other people. You know, I'm thinking of, if I paint with a broad gender brush, this is maybe one of the ways Sisters in Christ can help us, being much more in tune with this, or even just more empathetic men. And we have to realize that there's nothing wrong with being task-oriented and a go-getting, go-getter, you know, type A-driven guy. But if that's all we have leading in us, and if that's all we have, then we're probably going to become a certain kind of church. Right. No. Yeah, I think a lot of us can see that in our families. We can see like, that on the horizon. With my, yeah, and with, of course, and with, with knowing me. With Zach. So no. with Zach or, <laughs> but I think that with my with my family and my, my wife is much more empathetic, much more yeah. in tune with that. So my kids, if they got hurt, they would run right past me to her. Yeah. And they should have. I mean, that would have made perfect sense. Uh, so I, 
uh, yeah, that would be my question now. So if somebody is um, is in the midst of pain, um, what is the way they should lament? How do they come to church? How do they let people know? What does the church do for them? What do they do personally, corporately? Yeah, I think I would say, just to start by saying, and not to dodge the question, but to say, I think the work to face lament really begins uh, now, oh, yeah, before be- you're in lament, correct, right? Like, right, right. Yeah, you know, know, acquainting yourself with the passages of Scripture that identify struggling, acquainting yourself with the promises of God. Um, you know, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will help us to remember all things, but you can only remember what you know, right? And so to bury these things, even pre-suffering. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a, you know, it's a good, like even in the, that passage from Lamentations, which you quoted earlier, Joe, the one of the most, the, one of the lines that at least gives me goosebumps is when, you know, he says, but this I call to mind, and yeah. therefore I have hope. And then he launches into, you know, great is your faithfulness, your mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, part of that is to call some truth to mind, you have to be, as you said, Zach, acquainted with it. You yeah. have to understand it. You have to know what you're calling to mind. I would say, too, though, Joe, that I think we aren't meant to do life alone. Yeah. And so I think even, again, before the lament period needs to be there, building into your life relationships where you really, they have permission and you have permission to be raw, to be, to show emotion. And we're not meant in isolation to like hold back and try and fix the things within ourselves. We we just can't do that. We're not equipped to do it. And God didn't wire us that way. And that's part of, I mean, I've said it before, and we are going to be going more into this with Reimagine, but life wasn't meant to be lived in rows, but in circles. Yep. And you have to have people that know you. I mean, you know, I, I, it's funny, Karen and I were walking the other uh, day, and uh, we walked past a lady, and she just said, how you doing? And, you know, I, I just said hi. I kept walking, and I turned to Karen, and I said, I don't think she really wanted to know. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> no, you know, of course she yeah. didn't. That was a way of her uh, saying hello. That's the way we do it at church if you don't yeah. know somebody really well. But if you know somebody really well, uh, then you can say, how you doing? And if you're known, then you can actually answer them. So unless you are willing to, to start building those relationships in a circle, in a community group, then uh, you will end up being in a place where you're either lamenting alone or lamenting with a stranger, which, mm-hmm. which might be worse. But you know, the inauthenticity of how you doing, that, that comes from both the speaker, like I don't really want to know, and the person being asked, I don't really want to share. Right. I, I think one of the things is if you're struggling, say so. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, name it. Yep. Give voice to it. You know, the, one of the ways you turn the culture is it just becomes regular for someone to go, you know, I'm not doing great. Yeah. Right. You know, right. pull up a chair. <laughs> you know, right. it'll take me a few minutes, but let me let me let me tell you uh how I'm I'm struggling. The other thing I would say is if you're struggling right now, I, I think your diet spiritually is really important. I think if you only like if you go to Philippians and you read Paul saying rejoice, and again I you know always rejoice, you're going to try to push yourself mm-hmm. to joy that's really not real. It's it's not acquainted with. Or if you push yourself to psalm, to the Psalms and you're just reading David go how long and you know you, you're going to. So I think you gotta you gotta make sure your diet consists of scriptures that are saying hey the way you feel is okay. You know right. name it, speak it, right. sit in it. And passages that are going to call you out of out of that, um, I think that steady diet, that balanced diet, is really important, so that you 
are are seeing in the scriptures a God who is both sympathetic and can help. You know, you don't get one at the cost of the other. Well, one of the things about grief uh, and deep grief uh, is that it can be a whole in a way that that brings out some negative things uh, inside of you. Uh, I know that from me personally, but also I heard a story of a guy who had lost his uh, wife in a car accident. And when somebody asked him what he had learned, he said that uh, he learned that grief uh, can be the most selfish uh, emotion because he could legitimize almost everything. And I, and I think, you know, I just, you know, many of you probably know, I just lost my mom and, um, and it is an easy thing to do to begin to become uh, totally absorbed in yourself when you're in the midst of grief. And part of lament is trying to get you back out instead of looking down, looking up yeah. at, uh, at Jesus, at something other than the grief. And the other thing that can help, uh, that we hope will help, is the church. But let me ask you guys, if somebody wants to know how we as a church can help somebody, if, if there's somebody who's listening and they say, I have a friend who is, or a neighbor, who's in deep grief and doesn't know how to lament, how can the church help? Yeah, I think the first way, maybe, is to develop the spiritual discipline of just sitting with someone. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. Christians are so quick to quote a verse, give yeah. an answer, God's going to use this, God's going to turn it, He has a plan. He and, and it's not that those things aren't true as much as they just kind of ring hollow yep. in, in the moment, right? Yeah. So. I, I think it would be a wonderful thing for Christians to be known for the kind of people you want to have over your house in the aftermath of grief, because they'll just sit with you. Yep. They'll cry with you. They they don't. You know. I think there's a there's just a time for speaking and a time for just sitting. Right. And I think that would be my my first thing. Remember is my mom. Start when, with that. My mom, when uh, my little brother was killed, uh, which you know just broke my mom in half, but her friend came over. It was a friend who I remember thinking was somebody who was quick to give answers, and I was afraid she was going to do that. And all she did was clean my mom's house. Hmm. She cleaned it, and my mom would still talk about it, that Anne had come over and cleaned her bathroom with a, with a toothbrush uh, just to serve my mom during that time, and that meant so much. That's a much better response yeah. than trying to give even a Scripture verse to somebody who knew Scripture at that time but just needed somebody to care for her. I mean, we obviously have uh, a lot of ministries in place through our care ministry, our Center for Care, um, that are places and safe places to go with staff members and volunteers that want to be there for anyone that is hurting. Um, We really, really do. And I think another thing that we're starting to um, do is building into even, I'm thinking of Reengage, our marriage ministry, just building in a culture of being real and sharing right. the hard things and the sad things. And we do that a lot through stories that are told and not trying to paint a picture of, oh, the Christian life is one right. where everything's happy. Rosie, and, and in and, some ways that creates a Rolodex exactly. a file for us to, when we hear somebody in grief, we can connect them and say, yeah. oh, listen, I know somebody who will walk, who will sit with exactly. you and walk yeah. with you who knows how you feel. Yeah, I just want to go back to something you were saying, Joe, about people being quick to give answers. I think sometimes we think that grief is in part caused by the absence of truth. If we knew the right things, if we believed the right things, we wouldn't be we wouldn't grieve. But I just want you to think about the night Jesus is going to be arrested yep. and 
the disciples are sleeping and Jesus is, you know, sweating drops of blood. He's begging them, please like stay up with me, pray with me. He's asking God if there's any other way. And like, he knew everything. Yep. (laughs) You know, like he even knew he was going to raise from the dead. I mean, he knew he, you couldn't accuse Jesus of an absence of truth. And yet he was grieving, yet he was suffering. And and, and I think, again, we we, we don't want to leave people in grief. That's true. We don't want to we don't want to sit there forever, but boy, there's a season for it, and I think we don't want to move people out too quickly. The other thing I would say is um, I, I think we have to create space for each other. You know, again, we, we talk about the passing, like, how you doing, right? And a lot of times we say that, I'm going one way, you're going the other right. way. And, and I just think if we don't create space for each other so that when I say, hey, uh, sit down, tell me what's really going on, and I, and I have time. You know, I think we live such busy and hurried yeah. lives— that we don't really have space to just let people debrief us, let let people talk to us. So some of that, I think, is just the ministry of saying, hey, I have a free night. Let's sit down. Let's talk. No rush. Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how you're doing. Uh, while I sit attentively, attentively, there's a lot of power to that. Yeah. The other thing I'd say is if you have care gifts, please develop them. Yes. Right? <laughs> Go get some yeah. training you know, read some books, go to the care team and go, hey, how do I get involved? How do I, at a church our size, we will never have too many empathetic, caring people. We will almost always not have enough. So if that's you, and, and look, this is me as the kind of quintessential type A driven guy who I need people, we need people like you. If you have those gifts, you have those abilities, please sharpen them, develop them and deploy them immediately in the ministry of Christ Community Chapel. The work you do is incredibly, incredibly meaningful. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.